Big energy, Stephen. Big confidence. Hello, and welcome to I Want to Know. My name is Stephen Hanser, and I am joined here by my professor, Dr. White. Hi, everyone. Hello. And we're here to talk about how to succeed in college. That is what I want to know today. We are going to start by how we look at college and how to look at... Right, Steve, you have some ideas about how to succeed in college, yes. right? And, and so tell me um, about this. Uh, I think the first thing you were saying is, okay, there's a, there's a particular view of college that you need to have in order to succeed. Can you talk about that? Yes. Um, when you're talking about school and getting into it, uh, you want to get started quick. You want to be early. You don't want to end up last minute. Um, what does that mean? That means uh, jumping right ahead with the syllabus and making sure that you understand fully uh, your professor idea of how the semester is going to go, of how to get in contact with them, when you can get in contact with them, um, what to do if you're going to miss class. Sure, sure. A lot of the first questions that a lot of students have that... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. But I think there's something more fundamental, right, that, that definitely you need to think about or that someone needs to think of, right? And that's and that's the question of why am I doing this, right? Why am I doing this? And, and, and you got to remember, there's there's really two basic ideas about what you're going to college for. One is kind of vocational. The other is development, right? One is, okay, what am I going to do with what's the What is the uh, what is the investment that I'm making and what's the payoff that I expect from making this, right? That's on the one. The other is the idea that, oh, well, it's, I'm exploring. It's exploratory. It's a way of finding who I am, what I'm interested in, what, who I even am, right? The sense of yeah. college is a place that I'm, I'm growing up in, right? I had a, a years ago when I was in grad school, um, I was uh, at a beginning of the semester meeting with the dean uh, in front of the auditorium uh, uh, talking to all of us, faculty, grad students, and so forth. And uh, he said, well, we know for the four years that we have that students change. Right? They grow. Something happens. We don't know how much of that we're responsible for. Uh, uh, we, we just don't. But it happens. We know that there's some growth that occurs. Mm. Uh, but we also know that people go to college uh, as an investment. That investment uh, has become even more pointed as college gets more expensive and the stakes get high yeah. uh, for, for students. Right? It used to be back in the 60s, uh, right? The 60s and 70s, uh, college, the, the amount that you had to pay for tuition as a fraction of you know, family income uh, was much smaller. Right? You could get the college you could, you could basically play around at college, work for a little bit, go to classes, and maybe it was for you, maybe maybe it wasn't. So it was a much more exploratory sort of thing. Mm. As the cost of college increases relative to other costs, then you know that it's, it's you're playing around with real money, and yeah. it, it's harder to justify it as merely exploratory. There's this much stronger sense that it's an investment, and what you're looking at is the payoff, right, for that. And so the idea that oh, it's a four-year vacation from the real world, right, where you have to get a real job, do that, uh, is is becoming less sustainable as a philosophy. Right? So I think that that sort of sense of, oh, what am I doing this for um, is is really important, right? And and that has consequences that we can talk about, but I just want to ask you. So as you're approaching, because like you were my student um, uh, a couple of semesters ago, and you're taking a break, and you're coming back to it, right? So as you're coming back to it, what's your feeling about, well, why am I doing this? What do you want out of this whole thing? Um, I have come to the conclusion that I have a basic idea of what I want to do with at least most of my life. Sure. And I'm coming back in to not only, like you said, explore exactly who I am and what I like to do, but how I can translate that into some sort of a profession. Okay. Um, so, like you said, vocationally, I have an idea of where I want to be once I get finished with school, but I am more worried about how am I going to get through school first. Gotcha. And that's why I'm here asking you these questions, too. Great, great. And I think that's good, right? So, so, so uh, notice that um, the place that you came to was this idea that, oh, okay, um, I have a, like, I'm going into it with a clear vision of what I want to get out of. I think that's, that's super important. A lot of students, uh, as, as they head into it, they're 
they're they're still very much in kind of this modal. I don't know. Maybe this is uh, going to tell me. And and I said we talked about the consequences of that. One of the consequences is that um, the essentially the, the mental pressure, the mental the, the mental health consequences are are striking. They're dramatic. We know that students have far more mental health issues, mental health difficulties uh, than previous years. That college has sort of begun to try to generate these support mechanisms for that. And being aware of, being aware that you are not um, putting yourself in a lighthearted animal house type situation. You know, you're that ancient film, yeah. right, of, of, you know, uh, Jolly Lightner in Frat House, right? Mm. It's increasingly much more serious and much more consequential. So having a clearer sense of, okay, um, I need to make that decision and recognizing the fact that that is going to be a stressful thing to do, right? That's something to practice self-care around yeah. uh, as, you, as you manage. But all right, so you, you're, you've entered it. You've got a clear mindset, right? So, uh, I know what I want out of it. I'm, I'm heading to this. I'm going to do some figuring out of stuff while I'm here, but I'm, I have a clear goal of this is what I want to do. So uh, you have said, now I want to know what do I do while I'm here in order to maximize those possibilities. What have you concluded? I mean, you must have some idea. Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of this comes from me not applying myself as much as I could have in the first place okay. when I tried it out the first time. And now I think that I'm well equipped with the idea that I know that you can talk to your professors. Okay. Uh, your professors are people just like you. And they're going to be the most help to you in each class or in your overall journey in general. Sure. Um, and making the most out of your peer relationships. Um, not just, you know, doing your best. Because if you have a couple other people with you, a couple heads together, you're going to have a better idea, different perspective, and it's going to help you overall in gotcha. your overall goal. And uh, how to look at school. Like you said, uh, the philosophy has definitely changed with the amount of money that college is costing these days, but you still want to find yourself. You still want that growth that you were talking about, that um, the dean was talking to you guys about. Uh, growth is really important, and how can you foster your own philosophical ideas okay. and your own growth and still be on track to get to that vocational or what you're really in it for? Gotcha. And um, let me see. Do you do you have do you have a sense of how to balance those things, or is that what we're here to talk about? That's really what we have to talk about today. Okay. Um, although I think a lot of it comes from good time management and figuring out what is worth your time. Sure, sure. Um, you know, a little bit of it is nuanced. It's you know, how does it work for you, right. personally? Yeah, I think, I think that makes total sense, right? Um, I want to get back to something you said way at the beginning, right? Mm. The syllabus, because you had said yes. I would talk to your pastors, um, and that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, but the the, um, the the thing that students often ignore, to the great frustration of their faculty is the syllabus, right? And and, and we are told as as faculty, as our administrators, you know, want us to have detailed syllabi that lay out uh, our expectations, how we're going to run the class, uh, our policies, and so on and so forth. So every like because they say, okay, you can't, right? Um, uh, you know, like if a student does you know doesn't do something they were supposed to do, and um, and you want to give them like you want to reward that with a bad grade, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't do that uh, unless you specify your expectations in the syllabus. Right? So we are told, okay. right, that you can back up everything that's in the syllabus. Um, anything that's not in the syllabus is negotiable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so reading the syllabus, paying attention to the syllabus, asking questions about the syllabus uh, is uh, a really uh, good way of beginning to engage with the class. And get professor, right? Hey, professor, your syllabus, you say this, right? And what does that mean? What are some specifics of that? Yeah, uh, and so that's, I mean, and, and uh, like it's it's like a joke among faculty members, the, the, the idea that you can say to a student, oh, did you read the syllabus? And they'll look at you blankly and will not have read it. But the answer is they, right? The student has a question. Uh, I don't understand. The professor will say, did you read the syllabus? No. Well, then that's what it is. You know, so that's really super critical. And and so you'll see syllabi that like are gigantic. They're thick. They're huge tomes where everything is laid out. And that's a professor who's been put through the ring with respect, right? They, they, they've been, been you know, faced with students who have shown up mystified and have um, 
comp weeks late saying, oh, where did, what did, you know, how do I do this, what, and, and uh, they, have, they have learned to put it in the syllabus, right? And so, um, and you can tell what the professor cares about by what they put in syllabus, right? If they put citation practices, right? Oh, here's how you do MLA style or APA style in the syllabus. Well, if they're in the syllabus, you know they care about, right? And um, they, they, they put the different uh, uh, recommendations or resources that they want you to consult. Um, that means those, uh, those resources are important to them and you should consult them or, you know, or at least that's a place that you can go back to a professor and say, oh, how do I use this? How do you want me to use this? And, and that can be um, uh, really good both in clarifying uh, your understanding of the professor's expectation, right, to succeed in, uh, you know, the fundamental level of uh, turning in good assignments and getting grade on assignments, but also in building a relationship with that, that faculty member, which is, I think, the thing that you wanted to talk about or the thing that you had sort of identified as being important, right, the idea that, oh, creating a relationship with faculty members is a thing that you can do, and you don't need to be afraid of engaging with faculty members yeah. because, I mean, that's something that you know, right? Yeah. And you had said that to me, oh, people are afraid of faculty members. Talk about that. Yeah, um, that's why I think reading the syllabus is so important okay. because you want to establish a relationship with your professors earlier other or rather than later um and reading the syllabus kind of gives you that first step of you know what they care about like you said and what they're going to expect from you and how to reach them and then you reach them you talk to them um, you ask them questions you clarify things that you need a little more clarification on um and that establishes a good working relationship obviously you guys aren't friends necessarily right. but um you know if you have any kind of questions or you need anything you know where to go or how to go there yeah that's i mean that is an interesting question right the idea of okay what's your relationship with the professor like and you said you're not friends and i think that's fair, right? There's an age gap. There's a status gap. There's all these sorts of things going on. There's uh, kind of the, the faculty's obligations are not necessarily to you specifically, but to however you want to talk, to your education, to society, to, you know what I mean? Like, that's the direction of the professor's obligations. It's not, it's, so it's not a friendship, yeah. and it's not quite a, uh, you know, a client-patron relationship. Like, yeah. We're not, like, um, it's not a customer ser server relationship, right? Mm -hmm. The professor isn't like your waiter. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, at least that's, I mean, I, uh, sometimes students will act like that's the relationship. Hey, you're working for me. Hey, I'm paying your salary, yeah. so you got to give me what I want. It's your job, great, to, right? You know. So, I mean, how do students think about that? Like, do, like, am I talk to me about how you think students think about that relationship? Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty telling of how serious they are about their education on how they view that relationship. Okay. Um, I think a lot of times, like you said, there are students that come in thinking, "I'm paying all this money to be here. It is your job to teach me and keep me interested." Right. Um, but I think a lot of times that's just really misguided. Okay. Um, I think the best sort of students and the best way to go about it is that your professors are there to teach a subject. Okay. And your job is to do your best to learn and progress in the class. So what do they owe you? Your professors owe you something? What do they owe you? I think a clear syllabus and okay. clear expectations okay. are really the biggest things that I expect from a professor because it's going to help and right. ease the process down the road. Um, but I think there is a lot that students can do to make sure that they are prepared. I, I, uh, I have this thing, right? Because this, this is interesting to me. Is this thing. What is what exactly is my role? Right? What am I doing as a professor mm -hmm. in the classroom? And I think, you know, there are um, the idea because the idea of what is teaching, right? What is teaching even, right? Yeah. You know, what's the, the, there's implicit in that is, okay, well, I do this. I open my mouth and I talk, right? And then there's some reception and that's teaching. And I, I, the more that I think about it, the further away I get from that is the model of what teaching is, right? Because we're not, it's not a factory floor, right? We're not making widgets, yeah. you know, in the classroom. There's something else happening, right? So, so, so and, and the pandemic has made this extremely clear to cause for a while we weren't in the classroom. We're all distributed. So, mm -hmm. so whatever learning is, it's not something that necessarily involves this co-location or something like that. Uh, so what is that? Right? And, we, and we said, it's not like I'm the waiter bringing you your education, right? Mm -hmm. That's not, I'm not, so, so not serving up knowledge on that yeah. for you to consume, and stuff, right? We we yeah. agreed that that's not. Um, so I used to say, I used to say, oh, 
like the professor, the teacher, right? Is they're like a croupier at a casino, right? You know, they're like the dealer, mm-hmm. dealing out your cards, and you are like you're making making something up, right? You know, what I mean? yeah. and you take he pays your money, he takes your chances. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah. I think that's pretty spot on. Okay. Um, yeah, because right. a lot of it, it's you are in some ideas or respects the dealer, where you can only get the most out of the cards that you're dealt. But the harder you're the player, yeah, as a student you're the player. Yeah, as a student right. you're the player. Yes. Right. Um, so, but wait, but wait, I have another metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Because I I used to say that to people, and they were like, I don't know. First, I'd be like, Well, I don't know what croupier is now, which was <laughs> yeah. which is uh, um, which is why I said dealer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so then I said, Well, you know what? Okay, if you think of like there's a there's a world of knowledge out there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You, might, you might even call it a mountain of knowledge, right? And and it can be daunting to try to like when you think about it, we're it's overwhelming. The amount of knowledge is just out there, right? Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by it. You're carrying around all of the knowledge in the world in your hip pocket, right? In the form of your smart, right? How do you navigate that? How do you how do you surmount that? Mm-hmm. And so in a way, in a way, I come to say, oh, you know, the faculty member, like if you think of the world as a mountain of knowledge out there, I'm like your shirt. I'm your mountain guy getting you to the top. Yeah. You know, Sir Unman Hillary climbing uh, Mount Everest, getting to the top. You had a Sherpa next to a guy who essentially had done it before and helped him get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 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 um, so sometimes I say it. And, and then what do you think of that? Does that work for you? Yeah. Or, I th- better or less well than the dealer metaphor? Um, I would say, Which I, li- like? I like the dealer metaphor a little okay. bit more just because, okay. you know, like Kenny Loggins say, you got to know when to hold him, you got to know when to hold him. <laughs> sure. You know, it's, sure. it's all how you play your hand. Gotcha. But, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I definitely understand the Sherpa aspect too. Gotcha. So, anyway, so, so I mean, this, this is the sort of thing I try to like tell my colleagues, right? Oh, this is this is uh, this is what we're doing. Um, and, and I started to say, I started to say, oh, um, I don't teach. I'm not a teacher, right? Because that implies that you know one-way flow, right? That sort of um, authoritative knowledge over here, receptive ignorance over there, right? Yeah. Which which I don't like. I don't think I think that um, learning is an active process. Learning is a, is, a, is a thing that you do. It's not a thing I do to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've begun to say, well, you know what? I'm not a teacher. What I am is I'm a manager of learning. I manage. I create the conditions in which learning is possible. That's what I see my role as, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And that, and 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 from my perspective, that implies a much more active uh, role on the part of the student. Right? They're doing something. They're like yeah. something. How do you like that? I like that a lot. I think a lot of students do kind of see professors as this authoritative, you know, bucket of knowledge that right. they're just supposed to be bathed in and that they're just going to take in and know. Um, but I do think that it's a lot more active. I know during the past program, uh, the summer program, where we were taking a couple classes at the time, which is where I had you for the first time, um, it was really easy to see that you were trying to get things out of us but it wasn't just i know this i want to teach it to you this is how i'm going to try it was more you wanted our ideas you know you wanted us to fledge them out and realize our own potential it wasn't just necessarily you were trying to put something in our brains it was we're using our brains to try to figure out exactly that's beautiful yes exactly i mean so if if, if that's what it felt like then i feel like that's a success in terms of what i was trying to do um and uh uh, but but all of that was in aid of that thing that you wanted to talk about the relationship between the professor and the student, right? And yeah. we can see it's it's, it's complicated. Uh, and 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 the the philosophy that your faculty member, your professor brings to the class, you know, is going to shape that. And um, uh, but it's but it's uh, it's something that if you're aware that it is a thing that you you are managing or negotiating or uh, helping construct mm-hmm. with that faculty member, then I think that's definitely going to help help you succeed, right? And mm-hmm. so um, so we talked about we talked about the syllabus, right? Mm-hmm. That is a sort of medium between the student and the professor. We talked about the um, relationship between the faculty member and, and the student in terms of the classroom and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you know, you would suggest it. Don't be afraid. Go ahead. Go talk to them. Get 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 um, some guidance from them, or be willing. You know, don't 
be afraid to approach them and, yep. and ask them well, what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, because increasingly, you know, as, as an institution, the university is aware that people learn differently. They have different sort of um, accommodations that they need. So let's you know, let's try to set them up to succeed by giving them those accommodations. So asking for that is not unreasonable. Um, but that, uh, like, but before, before we move on, I know there's other things you want to talk about. Uh, is there anything that you would say, oh, well, we need to sort of cover as a way of thinking about how to how to succeed in that professor-student relationship? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think personalizing your education is the best way to succeed. Like you said, not everybody learns the same. Um, people have their own idiosyncrasies or ways of doing things. And you reading the syllabus, understanding it, and taking that first step talk to your professor is the only way you're going to get the most out of class because you can get to a place where your professor might even know how you learn best mm-hmm. or you know how to get the most out of your professor because you know where he's coming from. Right. And then you can personalize your, your education. And along with talking to the professors, making the most out of your peer relationships is just as important, if right. not even more. Talk about that. Uh, so the old saying is two heads are better than one, three is better than two, four is better than three. Um, the more people in your class that you interact with, the more perspective you get, the more ideas and but isn't that hard, right? I mean, in the sense that, you know, okay, you're working. You're, you got, um, you know, yeah, there's time you spend in class. You got work to do in response to those classes. Uh, and, um, you know, just sort of keeping your head down, muddling through. And, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, someone said, uh, you know, on, you watch, uh, you know, reality reality show competitions. And, you know, if someone comes in, always says, hey, I'm not here to make friends, right? Um, uh, like, I, I feel like some students approach it with that, that attitude. I'm not here to make friends. I'm just here to get my degree and get out. Right? Mm-hmm. So how hard is that to balance, I guess, is a good question. Yeah, I think getting the most out of your degree is a hard thing to do. Okay. And I think having relationships with your peers is the only way to really maximize that. Um, I think a change of perspective can change everything. And um, if you're really trying to just get your degree and get out, if you come into trouble or you come to a hard spot, what are you going to do? You have no outlets. You have nothing to help. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good point, right? I mean, the notion of uh, college is a place where you create networks that, mm-hmm. will, that will be helpful to you later in life is something that definitely, um, it's something to think, right? Yeah. The, the idea that, oh, it's not merely the degree that you're holding in hand that mm-hmm. helps you, but instead the idea to create relationship not just with the institution and the lifetime institution, but with all of your peers who are now heading out into the world and become kind of a you know social support network for you. And, uh, the uh, uh, there's a sociologist named Mark Benavetter who in the 70s wrote a paper called The Strength of We Ties. Right? And this mm-hmm. idea was that oh you know the people that you're closely connected to they know the same things as you do. Right? They, they they have you know they're similar circumstances. So but the, the people that you have you're acquainted with right that you have loose or we ties with they act as kind of a surveillance network that sort of let you know about opportunities and other things that may be out there. So uh, in terms of like job search strategies, this sort of was one of the applications of that. The idea that people are all on their, their weak ties, right? Their, their loose connections rather than their strongest connections uh, is, is something that's um, become important. Right? So the idea of having extensive, uh, you know, necessarily extensive weak ties as, as a strong uh, tool or as a tool that helps people. And honestly, to a certain extent, the strength of weak ties is the whole basis for social work today. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, so, that's, so that's something. Yeah. That makes me think about Penn State too. One of their biggest selling points is it has the biggest alumni network. Absolutely, right? And that means, hey, you might only know the fact that this other person went to Penn State just like you, but that's a tie. That's, right. might be a weak tie, but... But it's a tie nonetheless. Right? Yeah. It gives you access to whatever they have access to. In a way, mm-hmm. right? So, you're right. So, so there's so there's kind of a, there's kind of an instrumental or, um, like, strategic function, right, to, to make friends, making friends. Yeah. Right? Which, um, which feels a little, um, uh, there, there's an ethical thing there, don't you think? Yeah, it almost right. feels quid pro quo right. to a certain extent, right. but it's, it's what it is. Everybody needs, you know, friends in a class to help them maybe get a better grade sure. or friends that might, like you said, know of a job opportunity that might really interest you. You feel like you, you feel like 
you did a good job with that um, your first round, your first go round through? I think I did. Um, yeah. I think I could have paid a little more attention to which peers to really, okay. you know, look into having relationships with and for what reasons. That's true. I had, uh, I had a student, you know, like I had a couple of students um, in a summer class, the, three guys who just they would show up 20 minutes late right and and uh, uh just just clearly we're not taking it seriously right they, they, they were essentially on their summer vacation you know, like deigned to show up and uh you know at the end of the semester uh only one of those kids got a pass to right because he had a he had the intellectual ability to sort of like pull it together at the end do a good enough job yeah. that he passed uh, the other two guys um like one of them slept through his final speech and uh, the other one just like, didn't do a great job so so um and one of those students was uh, my advisee he's trying to tell me oh yeah fell in with the wrong crowd I fell in with the wrong crowd uh so um, so there's this idea that uh, you know yeah he was having a good time right and you know making you know, making buddies uh, but you know he didn't succeed that um, summer session and then he headed into uh, his first year of college uh, basically uh, in the hole you know what I mean and I don't, yeah. didn't really dig myself out so it's it's, it's exact this sense of choose your life and, yeah definitely and that's my biggest thing here is I'm trying to help you not dig a hole uh, when you first start out and how to get to a position where you just start climbing the mountain of knowledge as you said gotcha all right so uh, we've been we've talked about this for a while. Um, did you feel like we've covered everything you wanted to cover? Did, like, is there anything that you, you feel like that you, you want to ask me from the perspective of being a faculty member? Um, yeah. Um, one of the biggest things, like I said, is communication with right. your professors. Um, how how do students communicate with you that you feel is the most oh, effective? Yeah. So this is this is something um, that, uh, yeah, I think students, one of the things that students should be aware of is that some faculty member will have preferences about how students approach them. Right? Yeah. So, so it's good to ask. I personally, um, like, I, I don't have strong preferences. Uh, and... Um, um, but I, I but I know that some faculty do, and you'll see, you'll hear them talk about, oh, getting an email from a student that's written like a text, right? That's like, hey, yeah. what up, prof? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and some faculty hate that, right? They, yeah. they want the communication to be more professional. Right? Mm -hmm. They want it to be. So, so I think that's that's a uh, that's a good thing to recognize. Um, most faculty members, they um, the email is the thing that um, they are most used to, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that'll change uh, for another 10 to 20 years, right? I mean, I think in a few, as you get younger faculty members who are more used to the, the sort of the, um, instant messaging, yeah, instant text. messaging things yeah. like that, you'll get uh, you'll you'll get different approaches. But that's something to be aware of. Right? That there's mm -hmm. going to be generational issues in the communication patterns, like just professional communication modes and patterns that faculty members expect, and that's it's fairly unself-examined. Right? It's unexamined on the part of faculty members about why they expect what they expect. Right? And it's going to be couched in the language of that was professional or that was unprofessional. Right? So yeah. getting a sense of what a, what a specific faculty member regards as professional in terms of communication is uh, is really important. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, um, what is this like? When I ask you for an extension, should I treat that as a formal request and write it up in formal language, or is it okay if I just jot you off a quick note? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like asking that kind of question uh, and doing it in a way that uh, doing it in a way that indicates an awareness of that status difference, right? Even if even if a faculty member will like radically deny the existence of a power differential or a status difference among a student, they are still immersed, immersed, right? Yeah. And uh, when we know about power, status is that um, it looks invisible to higher status people, mm -hmm. right? If you're lower status, you are intensely aware. Yeah. Of the power differential mm -hmm. as a higher status person you're less keen right? yeah. um, but it's only when your as like your um, your preferences or prejudices are um, triggered in some way mm -hmm. you know even if you weren't aware before that you sort of like oh that was unprofessional right yeah. and so getting a sense of what counts as professional for a particular faculty member is probably one of the most important things to do particularly if you're asked for something. yeah i would definitely say starting off as professional as possible is always the way to go um you might get an email back from a professor that says sent from iphone and he uses the letter u instead of y-o-u you know Right, right, it, right. It depends person to person, but starting professional is always always the best, the best way to go. Yeah. Formal, um, even a little stiff, yeah, will not hurt you, right? So yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, so we've covered a lot. We sure have. Um,
Um, we have covered the syllabus, how to get acquainted with it, and how to use that to your best best success right. in your relationships with your professors. We've talked about how to talk to your professors right. and what you can get out of that to help your education. And we've talked about making the most out of your peer relationships and how that can help you going sure. forward. Um, so overall, I think looking at college as a place to grow and learn and maybe just figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life uh, is great. So Stephen, to wrap up, let me ask you uh, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Right? And the question I want to ask you is, okay, so you're heading back in. Right? You, you've taken class for a while. You, you took a break. Uh, save some money so you can go back in and finish. Um, what's your big vision of how um, you get through the next couple of years to get to the end, get the degree and money stuff? What, like, of everything that we've talked about, what's the thing that you're taking away from this conversation as, okay, this is like uh, a through line for the next three or four years of my yeah. Um I think understanding that your professors all have maybe their own ideas and ways of thinking of what they are to you. Um, each relationship, although different, can all be symbiotic and help not only you, but also your professor maybe become better at what they're doing. Nice. Yeah. That's terrific. Thanks very much for spending a little time with me, Steve. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Oh,